0: Hello and welcome to YAF Podcast, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast, a podcast where I go through each Final Fantasy game in the mainline series and I break them down into small sections that I make podcasts, episodes about. Yeah. And this is a monumental day. We're, we're starting on season four. That's Final Fantasy four. And that's just, it, it blows my mind that I've made it this far. I thought I might drop out during the first game, but the first game tr- ended up being fun. Then during the second game, I realized that it's also fun doing this podcast. And in the third game, I just kind of continued on the road. And honestly, one thing that has been kind of pushing me forward is knowing that Final Fantasy 4. So first fun fact, I guess, or first fun thing to come out of all of this. Uh, Final Fantasy 4 is... Uh, Often regarded as the best Final Fantasy game in the series. You often hear about Seven, and Seven I think is an amazing game as well. And I'm, I'm not here to judge which Final Fantasy game is the best, right? But I typically hear about Seven and Four being the best games in the entire series, and also like the best introductions to the series. With Final Fantasy IV being a good introduction to the fantasy style, Final Fantasy game, and Final Fantasy 7 being more of a uh, introduction to the diesel punk futuristic science fictiony aspect of Final Fantasy, right? Like you kind of have these two diverging routes, which which the genre takes. Um, so yeah, so let's get into this. So Final Fantasy four. The Final Fantasy four was the first SNES mainline Final Fantasy game. So one through three came out for the NES. Uh, Final Fantasy four was going to come out for the NES. That's the first fun fact, but it ended up ca- coming out for the SNES instead. It's the game that has uh, that introduces the active time battle system. So when I first played this game, I was actually really annoyed. So i have beaten this game i have played and beaten this game the gpa version back in like 05 06 whenever it came out like very soon after i played and beat this game um, all the way through so i'm gonna make references to this game as if i've already played it and that's because i've already played it so the active battle system is this idea where you it's kind of turn based but it's like real time turn based in that your character has like a time gauge and as that as the the battle continues, that time gauge slowly fills up, and uh, once it fills up, you can select an action to take, and you take that against the monster. And same goes for the monster. So you don't have that, you know, let me queue up four actions, and then the the enemies take turns with you based on their initiative or whatever, uh, to to make that attack. You have this idea that you have to choose the attacks pretty quickly. Because once your gauge fills up, the enemy's gauge keeps filling up. So you have to uh, pick attacks more, more quickly. It's, you know, it's less like lazy and that you like sit back and think about your turn. Less chess like. I want to say more action, action y. Uh, yeah. So I, you, you pick an attack. And I was really annoyed because I came into Final Fantasy thinking that Final Fantasy games were turn based. One of my friends always said it's very turn based. I thought it was a turn-based game. The first one is turn-based, and that was like my first interaction with the series was playing like 10 minutes of the first one, right? And I thought that this best Final Fantasy game that I was gonna play was gonna be turn-based. And as soon as I found out about the active time battle system, I got super annoyed and I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. I did not sign up for a game that I had to like pay super active attention to at all times. I like the idea of being able to, take a break, and, and I like playing games while I'm like watching TV or, or doing other things like that, and this really cut into that, because you have to pay way more attention to the game if you have a an actual time aspect to the battles. Uh, another fun fact, or I guess not a f- fun fact, but the game made it to the West as the second Final Fantasy game. Uh, FF1 was the first one, so the Japanese Final Fantasy 1 and the American Final Fantasy 1, same game, uh, but the Japanese or the American final fantasy II is Japanese final fantasy four. And those got then like the, the naming got fixed like later on, I'm guessing during the PS one era. Uh, yeah, but it, sometimes you'll hear people talk about final fantasy II for the SNES uh, when they're talking about an SNES final fantasy II. they actually mean final fantasy four just, you know, early on when it was released in the west as the second one, uh, the game is very story heavy. And here's one thing that I didn't realize about this game. It came out in 1991. Let's go back to season one of this podcast. Final Fantasy 1 came out in like 1986, 1987, something like that. Final Fantasy 2 came out like a year later. Final Fantasy 3 came out like a year and a half later after that. And this game came out a year after Final Fantasy 3. What a rapid pace of development. Like seriously, think about it. Like they came out with the mainline games that are sold, that are classics, now are being resold year after year after year, like learning so much along the way, like Final Fantasy one is like this really simple game. Final Fantasy two is like this really story heavy game. And it's hard to believe that there's only a year between them. And then Final Fantasy three, and I've seen the the graphics and everything, it feels like a completely different game too, with graphics that were way better than Final Fantasy two uh monumentally better than Final Fantasy 1 like it's just it was a it was a huge leap and it, that was still on the NES and then looking at this game which came out in, on the SNES and as far as I know the GBA remake stays pretty faithful to the original design and the original graphics and that's the one I played and that game is beyond gorgeous I mean what they did is just... You know, I, it's weird to think about that in four years, you could see such an advancement in, you know, in graphics. And then what, like six years later, which I know six years is a while or whatever, but Final Fantasy VII came out, right? And, and Final Fantasy VII came out in 97, right? I think. Yeah, but well, so whenever that came out and it's already 3D and it's such a difference, right? It's just, it's it's amazing the leaps and bounds that they've made and how quickly they churned this game out, now, unlike some of the other games, it does not follow a whole party. I already knew th- know this from before. But, like, so in Final Fantasy II, you would have three party members and a random fourth one join you uh, uh, th- that you could control as if they were your party member. In Final Fantasy III, you would have, like, a fifth companion that you could not control. So in this game, you literally have one hero that you focus on, Cecil and i remember all this and i sorry about any spoilers but i also want to make sure that it's very uh visible how much I know of this game. I'm not playing it blind, right? So th- this game follows one hero, Cecil, and as Cecil, you get different party members in different parts of the game, some that stay longer than others. So it's more of like a versatile thing and more like a sync sing- it's like a single player RPG, except you have companions that change throughout the game. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It really makes you hone in and focus on that one specific character. So the game came out for a lot of different uh, consoles. It came out for the PS1, which, as far as I know, was a direct port of the SNES. Like, it looks exactly the same. It has a full motion opening, like a full motion picture opening and ending. That seems to be kind of the case for all of these Final Fantasy games as you go through them. Uh, It was re-released with Final Fantasy V and VI in the Final Fantasy Collection, Then it was re-released with Chrono Trigger. This is an interesting one, and I can't wait to come back to this because I did a little bit more research on this. It got re-released with Chrono Trigger in Final Fantasy Chronicles. So you got the powerhouse of these two uh, SNES RPGs. And then it was re-released with Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy Anthology. This is all PlayStation 1. Were people into Final Fantasy back then that they came out with three different anthologies of various games mixed in together to sell? This just, it's weird, but I, I'm i glad I did this research because whenever I looked into all these Final Fantasy Chronicle, like the collections uh, for PlayStation 1, I could never understand which one is which. And now I'm understanding that whenever I messed them up, whenever I thought it was one and it was actually the other, like, it's not a big deal because there were three of them. Why? Why? It also came out on Wonderswan and I don't know what Wonder Swan is, but the reason I'm mentioning it is because the Final Fantasy 1 and 2 came out in for Wonder Swan, and if I remember correctly, one of them I think Final Fantasy 3 was canceled for the Wonder Swan interestingly enough. So, um and was it Wonder Swan? I think it was Wonder Swan. One of these games, a lot of the things that I guess it was the first one, Final Fantasy 1, was a lot of the things that came out of the WonderSwan uh, port ended up making it back into the games as you went through. So a lot of the uh, 16-bit versions of these games got a lot of their look and style from WonderSwan, uh, the WonderSwan remakes. I also received a Game Boy Advance remake called Final Fantasy 4 Advance. That is the one that I played, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a fantastic game. It's a beautiful game. Uh, after that, it was, uh, it came out for the PSP in a weird high definition 2D remake version. It was packaged with the after year sequel. So let's mention this real quick. A sequel came out for Final Fantasy IV. Like what, 20 years after it came out, right? So 15 years after it originally came out. That's mind blowing. And I didn't know about the sequel actually which makes me sad because I probably would have played it had I known about it after I finished Final Fantasy IV. So yeah, so PSP got a weird 2D high-definition remake while the DS got a 3D version. That 3D version ended up being ported to mobile and PC, and that's the version I'll be playing, the, the PC Steam 3D version of Final Fantasy IV. A huge info dump, I know. The reason I mention all these remakes is that I found out that the... The project's director or the game designer, whoever, like one of the main people that to work on it. Uh, uh let's see who's Takashi Takeda, I guess. He also worked on the four, uh, Final Fantasy IV remakes. And that is really significant to me that the same person that came out with the original game that worked so hard on the original game also worked on the remakes. I mean, that is like the best case scenario for any remake that the original team gets together, use their new knowledge and love of the game and the knowledge of the game to remake it as something amazing. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, And so I was reading through the Wikipedia article for this game, and it's really fascinating because you find out that there were a, there was a bunch of there were some ideas and and stuff cut from the game due to uh, well limits of the SNES and time limits and whatever else, and some of them were added back into the game. So one of the things uh, that they had to do was cut a lot of dialogue. Apparently, the SNES cartridge just could not take all that extra dialogue, um, and. You know the the game designer or whatever said that um it made the game the pacing better but it also glossed over some things that needed more explanation and that has been added back in the ports and remakes as far as much as as far as i read that you know you you get some clarifying uh, information about you know some of the game elements so it's nice to hear that the person that worked on it was able to like fulfill their vision even more another part another thing that happened was that um, there was an extra extra special area that was not included in the original original and the idea was that each of the final characters would face a dungeon on their own and that was going to happen I guess before the final boss I guess and it was called the Lunar Ruins and they came out only for the GBA. So the only only the GBA has this really interesting extra idea um, That was that had to be cut from the game And it's, it's kind of fascinating to think that this was a, a brand new game a year later Let's think about that for a second first game in the Final Fantasy series late 80s like this is It's incredible to think that they made such a huge leap from Final Fantasy 3 to 4 what is interesting Is that uh, this game was actually originally going to come out for the NES, but most of whatever was done, which was like 80% of the game was abandoned due to finances. And it, the story of this game just continues. And I, I kind of want to really go through it because it makes me so much more excited to play it again. And this time really appreciate the details. So originally the game designer Hiro, Hiromichi Tanaka from Final Fantasy three uh, was working on the game, but he left and went to work on secret of mana and went off to work on the mana series. And one thing that he mentioned was that he felt like the secret of mana was a sequel to final fantasy 3 for him i can't stop thinking about that i can't stop thinking about the fact that the final fantasy 3 game design i think he was the game designer in final fantasy 3 but he he was the original game designer on Final Fantasy IV that he went off to work on the mana series. And it makes me want to play it. And what's it's it's it what blows my mind is how many series kind of originated from the Final Fantasy series, right? We have the Saga series, which originated from the Final Fantasy II game, whatever, like a the game line. Um a lot of that stuff continues in that um series, the saga series. I don't remember what that stands for then you have uh, people like Hiromichi Tanaka that worked on the Final Fantasy 3 and some of the other Final Fantasy games leaving to work on S- Secret of Mana. And I I really want to play the Mana series now. Uh, now, the, the person that took over, his name is Takashi Tokita. And Takashi Tokita, this was his first square project. Him as like a full-time employee. I saw that he did like music or sound or something like that on Final Fantasy 3 but this is his full main project. Now, let me tell you, what he has worked on since then, he has worked on Chrono Trigger, he has worked on Final Fantasy 7, he has worked on the Final Fantasy 1 and 2 remakes for the GBA, the Dawn of Souls, the Final Fantasy 4 remakes, and the sequel. Like, think about that. I mean, th- these are huge names. These are huge names, huge people, uh, all working on this really big game. And I kept reading more and more and just Wikipedia is actually a really good wealth of knowledge on the, on the, on this game. They have the whole story and they have so much stuff linked. It's fascinating. So a lot of the stuff that apparently Secret of Mana, a lot of the stuff from like Final Fantasy IV and Final Fantasy III kind of left to be in Secret of Mana, some of those ideas and some of the ideas that weren't used in Secret of Mana went on to be part of Chrono Trigger. So I think about Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy IV as being like technically the next mainline game in the series, so to speak. I, God, I really want to play Secret of Mana now, and it, it makes me really appreciate the fact that I've played Chrono Trigger, and now I wonder if I'm gonna be like, oh man, yeah, this this is uh, just like Chrono Trigger every single episode, you know? It's yeah, that that has been interesting. Yeah, so the the one thing I want to remember here is that. Uh, Takashi Takeda has worked on the Final Fantasy IV remakes and sequels. So I, I kind of see that if the same people worked on, I, I've mentioned this already in this episode, but if the same people worked on the remakes as the original, it makes it much more uh, palpable for me to play the, the remake. And this was something that I've been weighing for quite a while. So as far as I can tell, Final Fantasy IV, the original American version was the easy mode, of Final Fantasy IV, like the um, Japanese version of Final Fantasy IV, the reason being that um, while the Final Fantasy one people, the Final Fantasy people in ja- Japan, like the fans, had Final Fantasy two II and three to kind of prep them for Final Fantasy four, the American fans didn't have that. They went from one game, Final Fantasy one, to Final Fantasy four without that gradual buildup, and it's on different consoles. Most likely, you know, possibly completely different players. And just the West the West wasn't used to uh, JRPGs uh, the same way as like Japan was used to JRPGs. So with the localization, not only did they make it easy, the easier the game, they also censored it heavily. This was another thing that I was reading about. And I listened to a podcast that is covering Final Fantasy 4, ironically, and they, they discussed how a lot of times you will have somebody die, but... The, the censorship doesn't say that they're dead. They'll see something else about it. They also removed a b- bunch of uh, religious stuff. So, for example, the spell holy was renamed into being l- white, I think. And then the there's a tower of prayer, apparently, and they renamed it the Tower of Wishes. So they took out some of the religious motifs and maybe like some semi-religious stuff and some of the, the really dark stuff. In order, order to satisfy like the Nintendo ga- guidelines for the West, for like the US and whatever else, yeah. And then I think that's that's kind of it. So like, there's a really rich and interesting history. We're really seeing like these big names that go off to make the the best games in the series. Like Chrono Trigger is what is has been rated so many times as like the best SNES game. And thinking about the fact that the same person worked on Chrono Trigger. And that same person also worked on Final Fantasy 4, which is one of the other games that people, you know, look at and say, hey, this is the best SNES game out there. It, it's it blows my mind. It also blows my mind that the same person also worked on Final Fantasy 7, which is, you know, again, seen as one of the best Final Fantasy games of of all time. Uh, again, you know, Final Fantasy 4 being seen as the best and Final Fantasy 7. And it's the same like game designer. It's amazing. Um, The game designer described the game uh, as like a mix of the first three Final Fantasy games. I want to touch on that real quick before I move on to the next section. And uh, so what... I believe it was Takashi Takeda. It might have been somebody else, but it was the game was described as having like the story focus of Final Fantasy 2 where story is super important and crucial. They kind of went light on that in Final Fantasy 3 and non-existent in Final Fantasy 1. They retained the crystals idea from Final Fantasy 1 and I think I think they mentioned on the Wikipedia page that, you know, they did this so that they would retain like this iconic feel of Final Fantasy is just looking for crystals. And it lasts, right? It, it it lasts for quite a while, where you're just hunting after crystals. The next next was that they took on the job system from Final Fantasy 3. Now I'm not familiar with this part. I don't remember this. I don't remember being able to ch- change jobs, but I think. I know you do change jobs throughout the game. I don't know if it's something that you voluntarily do. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, hey, I'm going to create my own party type of situation or more so that there are different kinds of jobs that um, that you can like level up and that you change to throughout the game. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. There's not much else. It is It is definitely really exciting, like all of this. it's. I'm always excited to start a new game, and I'm particularly excited about this one about because of how much people have hyped it up. And, you know, I played it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty good game. It wasn't something that blew me away. So I wonder if my perspective, having played the first three games, the seventh game uh, a little bit, the 10th game, and the 13th game, um, oh, bad news, um, struck my house. Bad news struck my house. Um, my Xbox 360 save for Final Fantasy 13 no longer works. I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast, but I was about 70, 75% way through the game and uh, it got corrupted and I don't have a backup. So I'm going to have to replay that one from scratch. I guess good for this podcast. Anyway, so I've played all these different games. I wonder if having the perspective of all these different games is going to change how I feel about Final Fantasy 4. I'll definitely be looking out a lot for... Uh, Mentions and callbacks to the previous games, some things that they started in this game, the the graphics. Well, the graphics, not so much because I'm going to be playing the 3D version. But I I mean, I'll be checking out what the game originally looked like. And I, I have a pretty good memory of, of what that game looked like for the GBA. And that should be pretty faithful to the SNES version of the game. Anyway, so that's that's it for this episode. You can follow me on Twitter on twitter.com slash podcast. That's Y A F F Podcast. Subscribe and like and do all that stuff to the you know in your podcasting app. And uh, yeah, next episode we're gonna actually start the game and I'm gonna be covering a lot of my initial uh, experiences with the game and just how I feel about it, and hopefully it'll make for a pretty good episode. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening.